Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Fangirls Podcast, where two sisters dive deep into beloved fantasy lore, characters, themes, theories, and more. We're doing a bonus episode today on Zayden's Point of View chapters from the Fourth Wing Special Edition. Before we dive into these bonus chapters, please, please listen to our content warning today. It's very important. We talk spoilers, including all of Iron Flame. That is right. Everything from both books, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame, plus anything else from Rebecca Yaros, including that recent Variety article, is on the table. Did you hear her? Everything. Thing from Iron Flame. There is a major spoiler that we will be talking about in Iron Flame, even though, yes, these are Zayden POV chapters from Fourth Wing. So if you don't know why mental shields are also very important, you better leave. We'll be here when you get when you finish the book. Don't worry. And of course, Fantasy Fangirls is rated R. We are adults who talk about adult things about an adult book. Look, I will be determining whether Zayden is a boob or an ass man in this episode. And yes, there is a very clear answer. And now it is time to be in Zayden's mind and get bonded with our new favorite dragon, Sigale. Before we begin our dive into these stretch of chapters, let us begin with our battle brief or our summary of what happens in these four Fourth Wing chapters 9 and 16, Zayden point of views. Chapter 9, Zayden is ready to take violent Sorengale onto her back with sparring, you dirty-minded friends. After a quick mothering moment from Sigale, giving Imogen his weapons and locking down his mental shields in place, the fight begins. Catching a dagger Violet throws his way, Zayden takes Violet to the mat after grabbing another one of her daggers and kicks it towards Dane. This will be a theme in this chapter. Violet recovers and attempts another move and we get our beautiful shadow dagger. Daddy's line, going for blood today, are we violence? And kicks another one of her daggers towards Dane. Satan offers her a hand, which our brilliant fucking woman stupidly takes, and he pins her arms to his chest. And he disarms her again, kicking another dagger towards Dane. Satan leans in for teaching reasons and reluctantly realizes she smells good but he also gives her some friendly advice don't trust anyone you face on this mat he also thinks about needing to keep his mouth off her and we get a perfect since when do i think about putting my mouth on an opponent line but mouth thinking aside he kicks another one of her daggers towards dane after a noble but incomplete attempt at throat punching zayden our again brilliant fucking woman does the same swipe kick move as earlier and he tisks as he kicks 
another dagger towards Dane. This is a drinking game at this point. Violet circles Zayden and he eggs her on. But thanks to those handy dandy shadows of his, he dodges her next move and flips her onto her back. He joins her on the mat in a submission hold and gets another dagger and another and flings them both at Dane. Then he takes another dagger, but different this time. He holds it to her throat. Kinky, my guy. Whispering in her ear, he admits to being aware of her little poisoning game and chastises her for not practicing on the mat. I mean, fair. We get some delicious enemies to lovers banter, but Zaddy gets distracted with the symmetry of her face and goes to the mat like a tree. Holy shit, Zagale will never let him live this one down. Violet attempts a headlock, but Zayden takes her thighs, rolls her on her back, and puts his forearm up against her lightly, and his hips are pinned onto hers. <sighs> As Violet attempts a shoulder wound, Zayden easily blocks it by capturing her wrist and pinning it above her shoulder. This is a dream! And Violet's gaze flicks to his mouth. <sighs> Zayden orders her to get her daggers and guides her hand to show her several different and helpful ways to kill someone that is more suited to her size. After some meaningful glances and Dane fucking interrupts, but Zayden, still having her pinned onto the mat, says what everyone in fourth wing is thinking. Dane is holding you back. State the fucking obvious, my guy. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, if only he's Red Iron Flame. Zayden releases her, not without a quick thought of taking her to the nearest empty room just to see how attracted they both are, which makes Nicole's pulse skyrocket. And then he returns to Imogen, and being all wing leader-y, he tells Dane he needs to get better at teaching. Thank you, Zayden. Zayden then heads towards Garrick, being such an observant best friend. He has his fun fucking with Zayden. But Zayden is not in the mood for teasing, so he shoves Garrick and walks far, far away from Violet Soaring Gale. Skippy, skippy. Chapter 16. It's right after threshing, and Zayden is hiding in the shadows, overhearing, in true god-fucking-damn-it Dane fashion, Dane giving Violet the Taren and Segale Zayden-manipulated threshing speech. Dane's fingers dig into Violet and Zayden has the fuck you do moment and steps out from the shadows, not before putting up his mental shields. Yes, that is important. We'll talk about it. Zayden is about ready to beat his codex loving ass, but Segale is like, calm down, you horny little man. But after Atos is like, did you step in? Zaddy gives his big old, did I think her bravery was as admirable as it was fucking reckless speech? But Violet pushes him a little further and he well the fuck awares her, which is one of my favorite lines in that book, and then mentions Segale and how she too saw Violet at Thrush. Sigail comes in with a, you did not just bring me into this nonsense. New favorite character, Sigail. So Dane concedes smartly, and we get this big question to Dane. Would Dane really give a shit about Zayden stepping in if he knew it would have saved the woman he calls his <clears throat> best friend? And Sigail is like, this is cruel even for you. Give me more Sigail. Zayden orders Dane to answer, and he does, even looking all guilty at Violet and shit. And Zayden feels a bad about it. But the dragons return and Zayden dismisses Dane and a pissed off Violet leaves dismissing Zayden, surprisingly. Zayden easily catches up and saves Violet from getting absolutely sideswiped by a dragon. Again, brilliant fucking woman. <laughs> As Zayden is giving her the your life is now my life speech, he is most 
Definitely not checking her out. Nope, not at all. Not thinking about her ass in a way that makes Nicole sweat. Garrick walks towards them and Zayden gives them the not now look. We get more Seagal and Zayden banter as Taryn and Andarda land. Again, I fucking need more Seagal in my life. Zayden walks away towards Seagal and stands by Garrick. And Garrick pulls out every you're my best friend and I'm going to fuck with you line in the book. Zayden opens his mental shield and feels a silver strand and immediately knows it's Violet. And just as he does that, Violet starts looking at him from across the field. Yes, we will be talking about that moment. And just as him and Garrick are deciding just how to keep Violet alive, Zayden looks around and sees the perfect bodyguard. Liam, the answer to all of his problems. But Garrick comes in with a, maybe let her try it on her own first. Why have we not gotten more Garrick? What a logical creature. He even calms down a jealous Zayden, worrying slightly about Liam and Violet fucking. (laughs) You have nothing to worry. Oh shit. Then Dane comes up behind Violet and begins unlacing her armor on the fucking flight field. Our shadow daddy is about to hurl. Garrick is like, relax, my guy. There is nothing to worry. And Dane kisses Violet. Zayden freaks and comes up with the perfect mental insults that I will absolutely be stealing. But then he notices Violet's face, quote, looking like she just accidentally kissed her cousin. Garrick is giddy. And Seagal laughs at Zayden, unsuccessfully making plans to stay as far away from Violet Sorengale as possible. I just want an entire book from Zayden's point of view only so that we can get more Garrick and Seagal. <laughs> All right, Nicole, this is a mini bonus episode. There was nothing many about that battle brief there, but knowing that some people haven't had a chance to read the Zayden POV chapters, wanted to make sure that we did a play-by-play there. But now let's go ahead. Let's tap into our signet powers. Let's talk about the key insights, reflections, foreshadowing, not so much theories today, but talking about all of the things. And remember, this does have spoilers for Iron Flame. So please only listen further if you have read Iron Flame. So first off the bat, these were not necessarily the two chapters I would have expected. After reading the Variety article, it makes a lot more sense why these were chosen. Originally, I was thinking we'd get some kind of drop-off mission, or at least a conversation with Imogen, Garrick, and Bodhi, something we haven't seen yet, really and truly like a totally new scene. But now it makes a lot more sense after reading the Variety article, because the interviewer asked Rebecca about like, why these two scenes? And she was like, well, because his mental shields are up in these two scenes. And the only reasons she can't, or she couldn't, write a Zayden POV chapter before we get that mega download, that Zayden's an intrinsic. And yes, I was right. And I will be squeezing every morsel out of that as possible. But once we get that download, once we get that information, we now know Zayden's biggest, darkest secret that would have kept us away from a Zayden POV chapter. So it makes a lot more sense now having gone back. But even Rebecca in this article did mention these are not chapters that are new information. These are not like huge, big, monumental chapters. Like we've gotten a few bonus chapters for the Akatar series and absolutely no spoilers, but they do have really bigger moments in them. And these are definitely not that case. And now it makes a lot more sense. I do wish we'd gotten something more, or at least something new, especially now that Zayden's secret is on that on the table. I wish we'd gotten these like two weeks later. The special edition book would have dropped two weeks later. So we would have gotten another chapter from Zayden's POV now having the intrinsic information. I definitely agree wishing that we had gotten something like totally new and different. Knowing that he doesn't really use his intrinsic power on like the people closest to him, at least from what he says, or at least 
thinks he doesn't purposefully do it, we could have still gotten a POV with him and Garrick and Bodhi and Imogen or something along those lines. But I totally understand the reasoning behind it. And I do like this little bit of insight here that we get with him kind of starting to recognize that he's attracted to Violet. And I really liked getting chapter 16 in particular because it does have new aspects of a scene that we're very familiar with. And all of this new stuff that we get is based around the conversation between him and Sigail. Like, I just love their bond and all of that juiciness there. And then, you know, how he watches her and Dane's kiss, like that line about how it looks like she accidentally kissed her cousin is just like, oh my gosh, Zayden, I want you to be my new best friend. I want him to be way more than my new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we have to think that chapter nine was a lot more action based. So naturally, it was just more simply his narration of their hand to hand combat and not so much of a lot of new material. Right. I did mention this in the battle brief, but like last overall thought before we get into the meat of each of these chapters, getting to see more Garrick and Sigail. I was shocked we didn't get more Garrick and Iron Flame. And I'm really, especially after these bonus chapters, I'm kind of bummed about it. Like Sigail, I guess. I guess it makes sense in hindsight. You said something in our reactions episode, like Sigail is, is with Zayden. They are yeeted on out of Bezgaia. So it makes sense that we didn't get more of her, but at least Garrick, like I wish we'd gotten more of him. So I hope for book three, that's just going to be my new motto for the next months as we cover this book. I just want, everything is just gonna be like, well, here's to hoping for book three. Although we certainly still get a lot in book two. These Zayden point of view chapters, they make me fall in love with these two, Garrick and Sigail, so much. Like, especially Sigail. She is everything that I ever wanted and more. She's everything I didn't know I needed and more. (laughs) Like... love her. Yes. All right, let's dive into chapter nine. Let's get into the meat of this stuff. So the big, big thing is these mentions of shields. And we get them in actually both chapters, but we're really going to cover them here. When I first read this, I read this before I read Iron Flame. And the second I saw the word shields, I was like, oh my God, he's an intrinsic. Like that was just confirmation for me. I have to pause here and share my perspective and our Discord members' perspective when we read this POV chapter, because most of us read it before reading Iron Flame. So when I first read this, which was again before Iron Flame, I was like, yeah, this is capital P proof that Zayden is not an intensic. Someone in our Discord even wrote something like RIP to Nicole who died on her intensic hill. Like we were all laughing at Nicole for thinking, oh, Zayden's an intensic. I did just want to say though, that person did reach back out to me and they said, I owe you a formal apology. I love you person. Thank you so much. Like how I had to formally apologize to everyone about Jack fucking Barlow, which I'm still not over. So yeah, we were all like, you had a great argument, Nicole, but it just isn't the case. And meanwhile, Nicole is texting me that this mention of shields means that he has to be an intrinsic. And these POV chapters only made her lean even more into this theory. And I was like, yeah okay, Nicole, like, okay, (laughs) you just can't admit to being wrong on this one. Like, you gotta let it go. Everyone who can wield power shields, like the marked ones were saying, Violet has to learn how to shield against Stain. Like, shielding is a big theme among our characters. So it was totally reasonable that Zayden is just shielding for extra precaution against potential, you know, mind wielders. And then (laughs) chapter, what was it, 55, you know, chapter 50-something of Iron Flame happens And it was so late at night as I was listening to this before bed. And as soon as I heard Violet ask, what's your second signet? I was like, 
Oh my God, Nicole was right. Nicole was right. And I had just been rubbing in that she was wrong because of these Zayden POV chapters. And like any big sister, I was simultaneously so proud of my sister for holding to her guns that this absolutely proves he's an intrinsic. And at the same time being like, well, shit, I'm never going to live this down. No, you will not. You will never live this down. I will. I pride emanating off of me. And like, I was not the only one on the internet. There were many, many believers, and we were right believers. <laughs> Give yourself a little pat on the back. I'm so proud of us. Now, going back to the shields and how big of a role they do play in the story, not only in these POV chapters, but in Iron Flame as a whole. Like, we get shields. I don't even know how many times the word shield is mentioned. It's interesting seeing how everyone in Iron Flame, you know, at least because we're looking through Violet's mind, is putting up shields to block people out. Like, blocking Dane out, blocking, you know, any other like powers Varish. out or like, stuff like Varish, blocking yeah. Taren and Andarna, at least as much as she can out. But it's cool seeing it the other way around, seeing Zayden put up his shields as a way to not read people's minds. I do think it's both ways. It's also so Dane because he even says like not when a memory reader is around. So I do think it's going both ways. But here's my question, though, because I guess he can't use his powers if his shields are up. But this is where my question comes from, is at the Athbane meetup in Iron Flame, this is in part two, Zayden uses his powers on a leader who had her shields down stupidly. He most definitely would have had his shields up at a meeting, but he was also talking to Violet, which means his shields were down. So that just felt a little like, oh, that's out of character. So I, I am a little confused on like, I guess shields up means no intrinsic. I guess shields down means intrinsic all the way. But like, does he choose to use his powers? I'm guessing so, because he says he's not going to use them on Violet. I'm getting into Iron Flame talk too much, but here's what the Variety article did say word for word on with Rebecca mentioning these chapters. She says, quote, I chose those two scenes very carefully because there are scenes in which he would naturally have his shields up because one of the reasons you can't be in Zayden's head is you would know what his second signet is from the get-go so those were two scenes that he had to keep his shields up so I'm just a little confused on how this works but I do love the fact that these were chosen so carefully for this specific reason so my understanding is that he is keeping his shields up in this instance mostly because of Dane because while yes you know it's about touching like he's not taking any chances the whole idea here is precaution. I believe that is shields up so that Dane or anybody else, I'm calling them mind wielders. I can't remember if that's the right word or not, but yeah, there are plenty of mind wielders and they are among the leadership. They are among the leadership's minions. We we still don't know what Atos's signet is. So like, yeah, there is some shit on the table that we still don't know. So it makes absolute sense that he has his shields up. But to your point there, does him having his shields up automatically mean that he can, that his intrinsicness is blocked out as well? I think that him having his shields up and then like him being able to still use his intrinsic ability it's a little bit more complicated than just like black and white in that way I think that in this instance because he is around people of Bez he knows he cannot trust anybody because of all of the mind wielders among them including Dane so he just has to have that up as a precaution not necessarily in regard to his being an intensic and that could be both to make sure that he protects all of his secrets and that includes both Arisha and the revolution and his ability as an intensic. Going back to what I said in the reactions video, I want more understandings of how his signet works, specifically a POV of him discovering his signet and mastering it. I think that we we do kind of need that as readers. And Rebecca's hinted that we are going to get some stuff along those lines in book three. 
now she's a masterful hinter so we'll see what that actually ends up looking like but I do love that both of these scenes were picked specifically because Dane is around but here's one of my big questions around this Zayden intrinsic stuff how did he not because Violet doesn't know how to shield yet she doesn't have that mental capacity how did he not figure out her poisoning sooner with him being an intensive? Like she was thinking about it when they were in the tree scene. He would have immediately picked up on it. And in the POV, it's like it took him two weeks to figure it out. I'm like, Zayden, you're smarter than that, my guy. I was definitely wondering about this too. You know, when, it's, when he says, you know, it took him all of two weeks to realize she somehow figured out who she'll be facing. It's still like two weeks is still a pretty fast amount of time. And so my guess is that he hadn't quote unquote caught her intentions specifically regarding poisoning people in those first few weeks. Like even when Violet caught them under the tree while she was gathering ingredients, like you were just saying there, he was focused on her intentions about telling anyone about them being at the tree. And so I wonder, again, that we definitely have a lot of questions about Insignia, but I think that because that was more of the forefront of her mind about the current situation at hand and not necessarily her initial reasoning why she was there. I'm curious about that too, but that's my way of explaining it. You know, chapter nine, when I first read it, made me wonder if we underestimated Dane's power and it really wasn't just touch from the distinct phrasing about locking Zayden's shields in place when Dane is around. However, then we got chapter 16 shields comment about slamming his mental shields down just like he does every time he's near anyone. And so that made me realize, oh, it's much more of a standard precaution that he's always got going on. I love Zayden's comment about Dane. Well, I love all of his comments about Dane, but this one in particular about Dane being too straight laced to really be the best. It's so true. But you know who was a fair fighter and still the best? But meaning of was really, really clued us in there because yes, it's definitely Liam. Now, here's the other big theme I'll say of chapter nine is Zayden pretty blatantly going back and forth between should I kill her? Should I not? Like, yes, it's a lot more nuanced than that. But there's two things I want to talk about in regards to this. One pulling from the Variety article, Rebecca mentioned that some people had pulled, you know, the I've been yours for longer than you can imagine and how that might have meant Brennan was telling stories about Violet to Zayden and how that made him fall in love with her. And Rebecca flat out said, Absolutely not. Like, that's weird because he would have fallen in love with a 14 year old girl that Brennan hasn't seen in six years. And she's like, that's weird. No, like, he was definitely going back and forth, like, should I kill her? Should I not? So I really enjoyed having that context from Rebecca and then rereading this. I do love the dichotomy of chapter nine's mildly contemplating, like, I'll just snap her neck and she'd be dead, versus chapter 16 going from maybe I kill her, maybe I won't to protect her at all costs. But here's my big question here. This is where I feel like the storyline in Iron Flame and the storyline here in in chapter nine wasn't talking to each other. There is no way he would have had that back and forth in his head without thinking about the deal he had with Lilith. In case you missed it, you should not be here because you should have read Iron Flame if you're here. But he had a deal with Lilith where basically Lilith was like, I will let every traitor's child come into the writer's quadrant and fight for their lives if I can put 107 scars on your back, and which I have a lot to say on that, but I'm going to save that for our deep dives. And also for a favor from you later. And the favor she ends up trading for it with him is you protect Violet at all costs. You make sure she gets through threshing, basically. Yes, but then there was also the caveat because she also just knows how death can happen in the writer's quadrant. So it was more of a 
keeping her alive besides, I'll call it normal ways of dying. So it was something still like, you know, if she dies in a normal way in threshing, which she would, this would have counted as a normal way, then he's not going against his agreement with her. Same thing with if she just died as a challenge on the mat. That also doesn't count against their agreement. What would be by his hands on the mat? That seems pretty against their agreement. Now, to be fair, he does say, like, she's in my wing, but she's not in my squad, so I can kill her if I want. But my natural thought progression would have gone to, however, that would have broken my deal with Sorengale or like, or with General Sorengale. Yeah. Like, something, there would have been something there. So, my big, like, huh moment here is why didn't we get any mention of the Lilith Sorengale? The only thing I can think about is because these did release on the same day. Most people like us read this before they read Iron Flame and that would have, you know, given away this big thing. But that brings me back to, again, I wish we had gotten this like almost two weeks after Iron Flame so that all of us could have divulged into Iron Flame and then read these with information from Iron Flame that would have naturally been in Zayden's head during this moment. I definitely agree with you. They're not talking to each other, right? And to your point, yes. So his deal with Lilith did not extend to normal deaths within the quadrant. So like, for instance, challenges or presentation day or threshing or something to that effect. But their deal was definitely for Zayden to protect Violet from people who hated her because of her last name, which is literally him, right? And so this is obviously the marked ones, but also it could be other assassination attempts, like what we learn in Iron Flame that Mira fought off. So could he technically kill her in this instant on the mat and not technically, technically break his deal? It's the biggest technically ever, but... (laughs) Technically. But again, I don't think it would have actually counted because, yeah, like that's kind of still not cool, man. <laughs> well, and it's also, but deal. it's also General Soaringale. Like she literally said to Violet, Soaringales either walked or they fly off the field. They are never carried. And she's like, I was just tortured for five days, mom. So I don't know how far General Soaringale's logic would go there. So to your point, <laughs> I don't know about that. But I, yeah, it just, it felt like they weren't talking to each other. Like I, it felt a little bit like Rebecca Yard needing to hold back but because they were released on the same day and she didn't want to give anything away. I view this whole sequence of them on the mat as Zayden begrudgingly having to protect Violet and he is very curious about her and obviously attracted. So he's recklessly interacting with her and helping her a little bit and he does say he doesn't remember the last time he had this much fun which starts as fucking around to tease her and it turns into oh Am I attracted to her? And so it's really cool how it's like that whole thing where it's just like, oh, like I'm just going to fuck with her. And then it turned into something he was not expecting for himself. Well, to that same point, those were my major complaints about this. Now I'm going to get into everything that I loved about these chapters. And number one is loving seeing the Zayden and Violet love story from his point of view of him falling for her and that it was not an emotional connection at first. It was 100% like, I will take her to the nearest room and fuck her until we both admit how attracted we are. But little lines like, it doesn't sit with me well that she, you know, would just be relying on like a carnival trick basically, or she smells so good. Like I love that shit and getting to see that was really important, I think, and really special for us. I also love getting to see through the eyes of someone who really knows how to fight like this was so fucking cool getting little clues on fighting style where he shifts his weight where he lands on her how he mentions like leaning on his left or like where his thigh is it just it cues us into a completely different mindset than Violet who's like I roll (laughs) like I, I do this where he's like I shift my weight to my left ever so slightly like stuff like that also him offering his hand and her taking it and then not taking it thank god being smarter than that just him 
fucking with her and getting to see the mind games and all of that behind fighting was so cool and then of course him getting distracted about her and then going down like a tree and him just saying like holy shit like that would those were such cool moments I absolutely agree with you like you know he's observant of what her actual strengths are and he's frustrated she doesn't know what any of them are or especially how to use them and how he just makes himself vulnerable for the very first time since walking through the college to show her you know where to go for the kidneys and and all of that I think that's like that I think that's foreshadowing for the move she uses against the would-be assassin on assessment day in iron flame and then of course she uses his teachings on the venom at the end of fourth wing so it's really cool just to see all of this play out again from his perspective here and she does eventually learn and use those strengths that she does have to her advantage and I also just love like the I mean obviously the sexual tension in the scene is just like so good I fucking love it and originally before I read the variety article I thought that that was the reason why Rebecca chose the scene is because getting to write from Zayden's point of view this moment of like oh I am very attracted to this girl now obviously there's other reasons but I do think that was still one of them and this is the first time that Zayden realizes the attraction is mutual like you know he's had attractions to her and he admits that in his in this chapter but him pinning her to the mat with his hips on top of her, which that little clue in was just, love it. But getting to see that moment in Violet's eyes where she like flicks to his mouth and him realizing, oh, oh, this is a two-way street. That was really cool. We need to talk about the line about Brennan because in yes. you know, when, we're, when we're through Violet's POV, he says, I've known better poison masters. And when you're reading that for the first time, it's like, okay, whatever. Then you get to the end of Iron Flame and you're like, oh, fuck, it's Brennan. But getting to see a little blurb from Zayden, and I'm actually just going to quote this word for word, quote, Brennan would give one of his frustrated sighs if he knew just how obvious his little sister was. Then again, he'd also try to kick my ass for the position I have violence in. <laughs> I'm like, I love this for two reasons. One, it shows how much Zayden knows Brennan. One of his frustrated sighs. That you can only say about someone who you know so well. But secondly, yes. this sweet older sibling protection. Like, I I wish we'd gotten more of this in Iron Flame from Brennan. We do get a little bit of this, like, in front of me, meh, moments from him. But, like, that lecturing older bro was just so cool. And it just, you know, as a younger sibling, I hear that and I'm like, yep, that checks. <laughs> that checks entirely. <laughs> yeah. As your husband well knows from when I first met him. Oh, no. My very first boyfriend, this is a good one. My very first boyfriend <laughs> in high school, It was I was freshman, Lexi was a senior, and Lexi stands up in the middle of the cafeteria, points to this poor man, and says, that's my sister's boyfriend. Traumatizing Okay, first of all, it was, in, it was in gym, and our different so gym classes were like coming. It was not in the randomly in the cafeteria. There was context around it. <laughs> That's the hill you're going to die on in this story. That's- I'm just saying, like, make it sound way worse than it is. The calf is that much worse than the <laughs> Continue. <laughs> After Four Things Cliffhanger, we readers analyzed a lot of Zayden moments and their sudden double meaning with this, you know, I've known better Poison Masters being one of the biggies. And I love, like Nicole was just saying, getting his perspective when he teases about Poison Masters. I have to say, I like that it didn't sit well with him. Because it shouldn't. Like, it's kind of like a, ooh, you said that, Zayden, and then you're saying, well, I never really lied to you. And it's like, that's 
some serious selective truth telling right there. And also, I just have to point out this totally different thing. Again, context that we now have. Knowing what we know now about his sexual history from Iron Flame, we know a few months ago he, Zayden, broke off his engagement with Kat. Thank God. And so because we know that he, he broke off his engagement the summer before his third year, and so that would have been probably right around, you know, conscription day and whatnot, or a little bit before he went back as a third year. This is within a few months of Violet starting her first year here. So anyway, he's probably like, oh, hello, attraction. Like... (laughs) Like, I haven't felt this in a long time because that woman was a monster. God, she's so crazy. I know, you know, we're supposed to like her at the end of Iron Flame, but you got to let us give us some time here. You know, quote, defenseless women have never been my type. (laughs) Indeed, Zayden. Like, dang, you have crazy ex-girlfriend history, though, bud. (laughs) That means so much more now that we've read Iron Flame. I love that. I did not even think of it. Now, to be fair, Kat wasn't really his type either. He was never like in love with her or any any type of thing with her. He just said you can fuck someone and not be attracted or not be attracted True. to her. Like you can fuck someone and not have feelings for them. Something along those lines. But still, I w- I hope that that has the double meaning behind Kat. She, that makes she's so still happy. in some way, shape, or form his type because they have a history together, <sighs> and guess. she is definitely not defenseless. Oh my god. <laughs> No, she's she's terrifying. I just got to the scene on my reread where they're sparring and I'm like, oh my God. Well, because she also was trained by Zayden. So it's like, yes. that's just, I love that so much. We need to talk about Garrick in chapter nine. I will say this a million times in this episode. I need 45,000 times more Garrick in my life. But here's my big question. We still don't know Garrick's signet, right? I don't think so because I went back through both Iron Flame and Fourth Wing trying to to see if I could figure it out. And I don't think so. We learn Bodies in Iron Flame, but I don't think we've ever learned Garrick's. So I wonder if there is a good reason behind that. I wonder if he's like, because a lot of the signets we're seeing as like almost counteracting each other. So I wonder if he almost, well, I don't know, because Imogen and Dane counteract each other. So probably not. But I was thinking like maybe he has some kind of counteraction with Imogen. Well, Bodhi's is kind of a counteraction because his is something about absorbing. Yeah, his is like absorbing other signets or something. As opposed to siphoning. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of what, yeah. I want to know his signet so bad. So I do wonder, like, do we not know his signet just because Rebecca Yaros hasn't, like, figured it out in the story? I don't think so. Or do we not know his signet because it's going to be something really fucking cool that we're going to learn in book three? I fucking hope so. I love the Garrick and Zayden banter. It's so, like, bro. <laughs> it's just yeah, so it's just two guy best friends. And I just absolutely love it, you know? Oh, would you please? I need you to use those big, strong hands to show me. <laughs> I was just dying laughing through both of these chapters. I absolutely loved it. They were fun. They were refreshing. Like, no, were they were they like some big info dumps that we might have been wanting or expecting? No, but you know what? It brought smiles to our faces and made our hearts feel all warm and fuzzy. And sometimes that's what you need, especially after what was Iron Flame. <laughs> Lord, ain't that the truth. All right, let's go. Speaking of the chapters, let's go into chapter 16. So Zayden getting all protective. I love this moment. Dane like sinks his, I almost says his talons, his hands. Dane like sinks his hands into where Violet is injured. And Zayden like gets really angry. And I love this moment because in, I read these, I'm crazy. I read these side by side with the chapters from Fourth Wing, from Violet's perspective and then Zayden's perspective. And I love it because in Violet's head, she like doesn't even think twice about it. It's just like so normal to her, which is true 
tragic. But for Zayden, it was like, absolutely fuck no. Like you do not hurt someone like that. So I just, I loved seeing those two different perspectives of it. I agree. And then he gets all mad when Dane steps in front of Violet. Again, proving how he always tries to stand by her side instead of in front of her. We know that that was a very purposeful thing that Rebecca did throughout all of Fourth Wing. And I just had to point that out again. I will say there are moments where he does, he meaning Zayden, does stand in front of her in Iron Flame. And I will be clocking every single one of those moments because I think they're very important. But that's a little teaser for our deep dives, friends. Zayden uh, has a few, he takes a few few L's, let's just say that, in Iron Flame (laughs) that we will definitely be talking about. Oh, yeah. He takes some big old capital L's. But I do want to know what it was like the year before, so Dane's first year and Zayden's second, because Zayden hates Dane like absolutely hates him and I also don't think it's because he realizes like Dane was Violet's best friend from childhood or because he thinks that I'm assuming he probably knows that Dane is attracted to Violet if especially given the intrinsic stuff basically I just need all of fourth wing from Zayden's perspective that's the tweet that's my TED talk I need everything from Zayden's perspective because I want to know what's the rivalry here because I think it's more than just over Violet knowing Rebecca it's never just like that easy I've wondered this as well definitely because I think we've even speculated it and one of our previous episodes. It's like, I've wondered if Zayden killed one of Dane's friends. And actually, wait a second. What if Dane was friends with- Oh God, oh my, the second son. What if Dane was friends with King Tari's second son, who we now know Zayden killed during threshing to save, was it Bodhi or Garrick? It was to save Garrick. But then how would Dane have known that because Dane is a year younger? That's the whole thing. Zayden would have had to have been the same age as King Tari's son if he was killed during threshing. Correct. For instance, now I wonder, since we know that Zayden killed King Tari's second son during threshing to protect Garrick, like, I don't know how Dane would have known that Zayden is the one who killed him because Dane's a year younger and would not have participated in that threshing. But somebody told the younger brother, Eric, that Zayden killed him. And Zayden is kind of wondering how he knows this because it's obviously not from his dad. So there is a mystery there. But I do wonder, you know, Colonel Atos, like Zayden definitely knows that he's bad. He is a bad person. And so that might also have to do with his immediate dislike and hatred of Dane too. Like it might not have been something like outright like murder of one of Dane's friends because that's just that's like that's the conclusion that we jump to obviously. (laughs) This guy, of course we do. But I do think it is way more like sneaky secrets than that. I do think it's more like just outright not trustworthy. I get like if Zayden knew how to use his intrinsic powers and Dane didn't know how to shield yet because can they only shield when they've been channeling or can they? I can't remember. Yes, as soon as they start channeling, but they don't have to have manifested their power, their signet yet, but they do have to have started channeling. So Zayn would have had full access to Dane's thoughts and intentions for half a year. So he can learn a lot from that period of time. And I think that's probably a huge part of his anger and frustration towards him as well. And again, not to hark on this too much, but the fact that Zayn in this moment at Threshing is not thinking about the Lilith agreement just feels not right. Again, there's so much I love about these chapters, but that little aspect, we just keep using this phrase, like it feels like they're not talking to each other. That did kind of like raise a like, he would be thinking about that. He's mentioning how her bravery was as admirable as it was reckless. And he gets infuriated that she would have died 
right in front of him. And I imagine that this is because of, obviously he's having budding feelings for her, yada, yada, yada. I primarily, I do think that it's because of his agreement with Lilith. If she does not survive and she dies on his watch, I would imagine the bargain's off. Lilith would be able to kill every single marked one. So like he, right? Uh, But again, I'm going to bring up my point that he would not have broken their agreement if Violet died during threshing. Later on, Zayden says for the Bontis Gale, I moved on instinct to protect, and it cuts off, to protect his agreement with Lilith. And okay, Sigail that knows better because Violet was within the agreement's right to die. And she's like, dude, this is not about your agreement with okay. Lilith. Like, this is something else. That right there, honestly, that is enough for me to feel like they're talking to each other, at least on a little, little bit of a level. So that honestly cured a lot of my question marks for this particular scene, especially. I, I like, even though yeah. it's a dash and we don't even get the rest of the, the ending, I'm like, yep, that's canon. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> that's like what I'm thinking here. Yes. At this part of our fourth wing deep dive, Nicole and I speculated what happened to make Zayden lose his control when he snaps well the fuck aware and based on what we know here from his pov and how he really started realizing his attraction to violet i think we were right in our conclusion that zayden's freaked out that she almost died out there and that he actually cares about violet now plus he's definitely a little frustrated that he doesn't have control over this new responsibility just handed to him agreed agreed completely we get one of these lines and (laughs) we got so many messages about this one line and it's quote his silence is fucking delicious <laughs> the fact that so many people send us messages saying i read this in your voice what have you done to me <laughs> brings me so much pride oh we love it and i am just obsessed with zayden narrating dane i want an entire book from zayden's pov narrating dane's life <laughs> Like, Rebecca can do what she wants with his arc. Just give us three more books of Zayden. It doesn't even have to be, like, Zayden around. I just want Zayden's voice narrating Dane's life. Dane can be as much of a Hufflepuff as he wants from here on out. But at least we'll get our chuckles at his expense from the peanut gallery. (laughs) If anybody has a fanfic out there, please send it to me of just, like, Dane going about his regular life and it's in Zayden's POV. I don't need the rest of the that story. Feel- this is all I need. I just need this. I don't need anything else. I don't need to know about the Bennett. I don't need anything. I just need this. It would fill this empty Dane hating hole in my heart right now. Like, God fucking damn it, Dane? Question mark. And this would just really cure that for me. Moving forward here, I love how Violet's name feels weird on Zayden's tongue. It is so important to note when Zayden calls her Violet versus violence throughout all of Fourth Wing. And I just love that little tidbit, how it just like tastes weird on his tongue. It is interesting how much more he calls her Violet in Iron Flame versus Fourth Wings. I wonder when that kind of shifted for him. And I have a feeling it was probably when she was laying on the brink of death after Resin. It's time to debate Zayden being a boob man or an ass man. And it's going to be a short debate because it's very obvious. So I can say with very firm confidence that he is an ass man. Quote, or what her perfect, and that's in italics, by the way. But not for the reason that I normally harp on. It's just Nicole and her italics. (laughs) Or what her perfect ass would feel like in my hands. I also love that every time they make out, or at least I won't say every time, but 99% of the time that they make out, he grabs her ass. And like, it's just like in multiple moments when he grabs her ass. Yes, he, you know, like does up, up to the upper region, but it's always blatantly pointed out when it's her ass. And I just, this is the important information that I needed confirmed in his POV. So thank you, Rebecca. I needed that. That's why he really had Imogen weight training with her. <laughs> 
You know, total side note here. Our parents had... Where are you going with this after this conversation that we just started? (laughs) Our parents had breakfast with my in-laws the other morning. And my father-in-law was saying, you know, how he started listening to our podcast because he just wanted to know, like, what it was all about. So he started listening to it, you know, just when he couldn't sleep one night. And our dad was like, oh, God, you listen to my daughter's potty mouths, huh? (laughs) And my father-in-law was like... "Eh." It was just the right amount of potty milk. <laughs> and then he told me later, he's like, I loved getting to listen to it, but I don't have enough brain cells for shadow daddies. So I'm going to just let you guys handle that. <laughs> Good to know that I can't look him in the eyes for a very long time. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't get to episode six. That's all I'll say. Oh, oh God, man. no. Anyway, this whole sequence of Dane not answering Zayden, like, oh my gosh, I can't stop talking about Zayden and Dane here. (laughs) Zayden just going on with his thoughts and checking in every now and then to see if Dane has answered. And it's like, I was just, I couldn't stop laughing. I still can't stop laughing. He's just like, oh my God, he still hasn't answered. Like as he's just off, like in his own thoughts. (laughs) I just love that so much. I love this whole sequence. Like chapter 16 from Zayden's POV is just one of my new favorite things to read. (laughs) This is like the comfort chapter I needed after Iron Flame. It's this one, definitely. You know, Zayden already knows Violet with little phrases like, quote, she looks like someone just shredded her favorite book. He's definitely learned. Like, I know that, you know, Rebecca confirmed that he was certainly not in love with Violet before based on the stories that Brennan has told him. But we definitely know that Brennan has shared some information about his sister, even though he thought that she was going to be a scribe. So... Zayden does know Violet much more than she certainly knows him so that he can say phrases like this and he knows her in that way. He knows that a book being shredded would absolutely destroy her. One of the things that when I saw that we were going to get chapter 16, I was so excited about because I was contemplating during our deep dives during this chapter what was Garrick coming over to talk to Zayden about like what could it have been and then I saw that we were getting chapter 16 and I was like yes we get to finally find out and we get quote any news he has from last night's mission has to wait and I was like oh (laughs) okay (laughs) but here's like first and foremost the entire quadrant is outside why would Garrick be like this is a good time to talk about our secret mission like I remember when we were talking, when we were like thinking, like speculating what this could be. We were even like, well, that would be really dumb of Garrick just to like go up and talk to him about last night's mission with all like, yes, there is a lot of other stuff going on right now. So that maybe with just the chaos of two dragons and blah, blah, blah with bonding that it would just go unnoticed. But like, come on, Melgren and Lilith Sorengale are like close by and they're obviously watching these guys extra closely. Maybe don't say that also Zayden literally (laughs) is in Violet's face like why would Garrick be like oh there's two people over there I'll go talk to him oh that's Violet no like I do have questions I'm like Garrick you are a very logical person for every other time we see you in these chapters not that moment at all completely flipping this on a 180 though this might not be a full-on quote death of me line but it is still rather troubling. Quote, there is absolutely nothing to dislike about what I see. In fact, if Amari herself ever designed a woman who would be my downfall, well, fuck, maybe this is exactly what violence is, my downfall. Mm. Especially with the Venom cliffhanger that we get. I'm stressed. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm so in denial that Zayden's going to die. I am like burying my head in the sand like a fucking ostrich. I refuse, refuse to believe it. I don't think he's going to die. 
I don't think he's going to die permanently. Oh, yeah. He will die, but be brought back to life. If he does not get brought back to life, (laughs) I will not recover. I want to pull out this one line that I found interesting as Zayden is assuming the Empyrean is going to let Terran be one of the two dragons to bond. Quote, they want him back on the battlefield. So this is interesting because it tells us that one, unbonded dragons don't go to the battlefield. We could have assumed this, but now it's cemented. However, in Iron Flame, the unbonded dragons do go up against the Venon and Wyvern as they're protecting the Veil. So we can note that this is a very unique situation. Obviously, all of it is unique and that the Venon are at Biscayth, but you know, just a fun little fact there. But number two, which battlefield is Zayden thinking of? The one against the Griffin Flyers or the Venon? Because we know that the Imperial are divided on how whether to help or whether not to help. And thrust they cannot move forward about the Venom unless their writers already know. We learn all of this in Iron Flame. So they must know that Tarn supports protecting the innocent, like Sagal and Zayden are doing, and therefore his writer will ultimately choose that same battle when she inevitably finds out from being tethered to Zayden. So I ask again, which battlefield is Zayden thinking of here that the Empyrean are referring to? The Empyrean inferring to, I would assume the Venon battlefield. Leadership referring to, I would assume the Navarian Griffin battlefield. And which one do you think that Zayden's referring to? Probably the Venon battlefield. I just found that very interesting with the, you know, him saying like, oh, the Empyrean, the dragons will want Terran back on the battlefield. They'll all want him back on the battlefield. You're so smart. You are so intelligent. I would assume Venon, but now my brain is spaghetti and meatballs so I have absolutely no idea so I'm gonna go to something that at least I have maybe not actually any concrete information about but I'm gonna we do kind of get confirmation about the scalp prickles here and then in the iron flame variety interview which if you guys haven't read it is phenomenal we'll link it in the show notes I know we're referring to it a lot here but it's because there is so much in that interview so uh, definitely check it out if you haven't already we read it and we're like oh my gosh like Rebecca's really just showing her hands right now. I also love it because it's like oh well, book three, book three, book three. And I'm just like, geez, did, was this just a filler book? I even texted Nicole like, oh my God, she's making me wonder like if Iron Flame actually was a filler book. Like obviously it was not because holy moly, it's quite the book. But it did kind of like, seem like it from the interview. I will agree yeah. with you on that one. And I'm like, did we read the same book? It was such a cool interview because again, it really showed me how much Rebecca's got this. And I'm so excited for book three. But we do get confirmation-ish in that interview that whenever we get that scalp prickle, it is Zayden using his intrinsic powers. This is from Zayden. Quote, I lower my shields just enough to feel for the bond. The hard sapphire one I share with Sigil is locked into place as always. But now there's two more. The onyx I recognize as Tarn and the other glimmering strand of silver. So two questions really quick. Was he not mind to mind connected with Tarn? I thought he would have been. So I read this as they do have a faint connection, but it has never really been used, especially because Sigil invites him to ask Tarn himself. And he's like, no, 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 he's a surly motherfucker. Like, and he says that, you know, like it kind of hints that he is familiar with it. He recognizes it as Tarn's, but now there's another completely new one. So I think it's just like, he's never had any reason to talk to Tarn. He doesn't want to, like, that's kind of something just don't really do, but that doesn't mean that it's not already there to be available when and if they ever need it. 
that makes a lot of sense. The second part of this is we get, quote, Soaringale looks across the fields at me and I slam my shields back into place. Now this, if you're looking at the side by side in fourth wing with Violet's POV, she gets one of those infamous scalp prickles that we've talked about endlessly on the podcast that I first brought up actually. And that's when you mentioned the intrinsic theory. And that's what started an entire somersault down the hill. So where I'm confused about is does scalp prickle equal intrinsic moment? Rebecca kind of confirmed that in the Variety article. So what I want to do is go back and almost like we did with God fucking damn it, Dane, where every time he cups her face, we were like, what does he want to know? Which just feels, I I have a lot of feelings about that, but that's for a different podcast. But it does make me want to go back to every scalp prickle moment and be like, oh, what was he learning? And I have a few questions around the timeline, but given the fact that he said he stopped doing it after a certain time and she did kind of feel a few scalp prickles around these times. I want to go back and like really cement the timeline of the scalp prickles. That was cool. Really cool to see that in action side by side. So I went back through to Violet's perspective because I was curious to see like what he could have been sensing from her, even though we don't really get it from his point of view here. So Violet's thinking right before his scalp prickles about the unbonded, that the unbonded are going to try to kill one of the bonded, specifically her, because the bonds are weak in these next few months, and because they're going to try to bond her dragon being such a powerful one. And that is when her scalp prickles, and he holds up his finger for target number one, like it's a response to what she's saying. So again, that goes back to like the intricacies of his intrinsic abilities. She's not really talking about any intentions necessarily. So maybe he couldn't sense any necessarily intentions except her acceptance that she belongs to Taryn and Darna and, quote, in some really fucked up way, Zayden. I do agree that it would have been very nice to get any hint of his intensic abilities at work here in his POV, but it does make sense at the end of the book once they're in a relationship, you know, just not at this point. Here's what I will say in the Variety article, again, mentioning it, but she mentions how there's not an intrinsic alive, at least to our knowledge. So how would we know that he's only able to read intentions? How would he know that that's like, quote unquote, the limit of his ability if there are no other intrinsics alive? So she kind of discredited the whole like I'm a type of intrinsic and we'll get way more into it when we get into that section of the deep dive because I have a lot to say on it but here's what I will say now I think that Zayden is so desperate to think that he's not a full-on intrinsic because that's that is death sentence and I think any even just like I'm a type of intrinsic just makes it a little easier for him to handle even though he is literally told absolutely no one and Rebecca confirmed that in the article but I thought that was cool of like he's a type of intrinsic but is he Or is he just a full-on intrinsic, which would make this moment, because she's not, it doesn't feel like an intention, it would make this moment much more easy to swallow from a, oh, this is just him reading her mind. Right. Yeah, she's thinking in her head about the unbonded going after the newly bonded, and then he holds up his finger, yep, you are target number one. So I do think that in some way he was using his intrinsic ability there. I loved seeing Zayden picking Liam out for Violet's protection. Like, that's not a scene I ever really thought about. But getting to see that in in POV was really, really cool. And here's my question, though. Is Garrick the smartest person in this fucking universe? No, he is not. Because we already went on about how he was dumb. (laughs) I'm going to look at that as a small blindsided moment. Because he has a lot of other examples of him being absolutely intelligent because I know that Violet's like this brilliant fucking woman or whatever but I am pretty convinced that every time Garrick we've talked to him except for the time where he came up to Zayden on the flight field almost and just like spilled the beans but I'm pretty convinced that every time we've talked to Garrick he's just leveled this intense like 
prophetic wisdom. <laughs> like, I need more Garrick. And then when they're talking about Liam, you know, quote, everyone likes Liam, so hopefully she will too. Yes, we all love you so much, Liam. RIP, my man. I love you so much. So one of my questions about Zayden assigning Liam to Violet when we were doing our deep dive was, isn't he worried that there's going to be something like, you know, between, especially with how the writers, quote unquote, celebrate in the writer's quadrant. And I do love that we get this confirmed that there was like a very small part of him that was like, jealous Zayden is glorious. Speaking of jealous Zayden, though, (laughs) I love him being jealous of Dane. It's so good. Quote, no doubt he's pilfering through her memories to see if I actually interfered. When we were doing our God fucking damn it, Dane deep dives, we thought the exact same thing. So that was cool. That was a very cool moment. But I love in Iron Flame, Dane says he only read her memories on accident. I could go into so many questions. My big one is, was he lying? Because with this moment here with Zayden being like, is he is he reading her memories right now? It just feels that between that and like cups her face, cups her face, cups her face, yes. cups her face. Like I have a lot of uncomfortable feelings around Dane right now. It was so easy to just hate him. And now I don't. And I don't know what to do with myself. But I that seeing that play out in in these chapters of like, do we what do we believe? And I don't know. I think that this was a big red flag for me with Dane. Again, I do believe him with his arc and all of that, but I don't believe him that it was only once by accident and that happened to be Athbane. I cannot believe that, especially based on everything else that happened in Fourth Wing. And this moment in particular, like even though it's not absolute total confirmation, because wouldn't that have been nice if he used his intrinsic ability to tell us that, but I do think that it is as close to a confirmation as we could get that, yes, this God fucking damn it Dane moment did happen. And what does that mean for what Dane says later on? on an iron flame when he says it only happened once by accident. This would have been at least twice. Rebecca doesn't write anything on accident. And the fact that she is a master at focus for the audience and the fact that she's directing our focus as readers to him reading her memories in that moment. Seeing Dane, back to my jealous Zayden, I love this, seeing Dane kiss Violet from Zayden's POV is perfect. Quote, she looks like she accidentally kissed her cousin. (laughs) I'm telling you, we need a whole, just like Dane's life from Zayden's perspective. (laughs) I would read that in a heartbeat. I was laughing out loud during this part. Well, like obviously this whole chapter, but especially this part. And then guess what? Zayden calls her my violence. Oh, Oh my God. I loved it. Last thing I want to say before we move on to our next big section is... Timestamp. We get a timestamp for Zayden and Garrick's friendship, which is 20 years. So we know from Iron Flame that Garrick's father was Zayden's father's aide. And it was cool seeing that like timestamp of we've been best friends for 20 years. And that Garrick is kind of like his Dane, except he's actually trustworthy. <laughs> Again. I love that like backhanded. <laughs> it was. I loved it so much. Right, so now we are going to take flight with our favorite moments, which is essentially us just going to be quoting every hilarious part of these two chapters. Quote, the shadows on the mat give her away. I just always love how Zayden is so in tune with his signet and how shadows are like their own living, breathing extension of him. Yes. Quote, sure, she's beautiful, but I've never let the symmetry of someone's facial features sway me. (laughs) Fucking romance, Zayden Ryerson. I love it. And once again, I'm going to bring Kat into it. She is like the most beautiful person of all time and there's something to it. So anyway. (laughs) I hate how much Kat we brought up in this episode. I can't stand her. Zayden's insults. Oh my gosh, just like about Dane, quote, panicking like the infantry soldier he should have been. We learn in Iron Flame that Violet's past sexual partners are all infantry soldiers. 
<laughs> so it's just funny that this would-be partner that she initially really liked, Zayden thinks like he should have been infantry. And then another line here, beat the pompous codex loving shit out of him. This has got to be what Slytherin say about Percy Weasley. <laughs> Absolutely. And then just other little ones too, like spoiled ass. Like I could go on and on. And Nicole is about to right now because I'm about to. I swore that I just want to like without hovering like a nanny, little rat, snot nosed ass wipe, and my favorite limp dick. <laughs> oh, limp dick was actually about the threshing, about the other guys at threshing. I don't care. It's still good. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> This is a Zayden quote. Seriously, of all the laws I break around here, that's the one he goes with. I just, God, I love Zayden. I love him so much. The rest are just Garrick and Segale, honestly. The descriptions of how Segale talks to Zayden, she and Taryn are both such lecturing, I told you so parents for these two humans. Even how Zayden compares Segale to Violet with her merciless tongues and Segale just loving to remind him that dragons are not concerned with the opinions of the sheep or most humans. Like they are just such a good pair. I love it so much. And quote, I know we already said this, but I have to say it again. Sigail saying, you did not just bring me into this nonsense. Like she was definitely part of it too. And she's just too dignified to say that she was part of it. <laughs> like she doesn't I, want anything to do with this drama. Like, don't you dare put me in with that. Even though it's like, girl, you definitely stirred the pot here. <laughs> oh, she is a pot stir. I love her moment when she says, this is cruel even for you. <laughs> like I just imagine that so deadpan. And I love it. Quote, this is, I think this one might be my favorite one. No, it's my second favorite one. Quote, let's not embarrass each other by letting you finish that sentence. Like, can you imagine being in the mind of a 20 something year old guy and being like a mother hen? Like, oh my gosh, that's the only way to respond to something like that. I love it so much. Uh, Quote, now who's getting mushy? I just love her like little jabs. On that mushy note here, knowing how mushy Zayden is in Iron Flame, I wonder how much shit she gives him. <laughs> I hope it's insane. I need Iron Flame just from Segale and Taryn's perspective. That's what I want. Oh my God. Maybe not the, la- maybe not the last chapter from Segale's because it would just be like all caps curse words for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Terrifying. But... When he, Zayden, is like, I will volunteer for every cold weather mission. She goes, rude, as if your inability to control your own hormones should result in my discomfort. Tell you what, when my son becomes a teenager, I am totally stealing that line. (laughs) Please do. Please do. Oh, my God. Well, friends, that is our Zayden POV chapters from the Fourth Wing Special Edition. We hope you've enjoyed this. We are so excited to start our Iron Flame deep dive soon. And hey, if you're thinking, I'd love to support Fantasy Fangirls, here's how you can do just that. Most of all, becoming a Patreon member. You will get more content from us. You'll get to connect more with this community through our Discord. There's two tiers and the content includes things like our Discord, like I just mentioned, live monthly Q&As. Lexi and I are actually just about to hop on to our first one. We're so excited. Discounted merch, our outlines, early access to deep dive episodes, and so much more. We understand that everyone might not be in a position to support, and that's totally fine. We love you anyway. But if you are and you enjoy this content, you want more, 
of it. Plus, you want to support Nicole, myself, and our growing Fantasy Fangirls team. We would so, so, so appreciate you joining that Patreon. Now, if you're like, you know what? I'm already a part of the Patreon, but I want to go a step further to support my girls. You can order through our Amazon shop. Now, some people have asked like, oh, does that mean that it's an extra cost to me? Nope, not at all. It is the same cost as it would be if you ordered just from a normal Amazon shop, but a little bit of the proceeds do go to us as fantasy fangirls. So you're not only getting that thing you really wanted on Amazon, but you're also helping out one of your favorite podcasts and we love you for it. Also, you can get your fantasy fangirls merch. We have all things from Fourth Wing. You bet we will probably be adding things from Iron Flame as we go through our deep dives. So stay tuned for those. But those God fucking damn it Dane candles, they still last in my brain. They still work. Absolutely. If you want to just set something on fire when it comes to Dane to get some <laughs> anger out, there you go. There's something that's fireproof safe. But all the links to our Patreon, our Amazon shop, and Fantasy Fangirl merch are all in the show notes or the caption if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not already, please be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram for tons more content at Fantasy Fangirls Pod. And if you have not already, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are watching or listening on. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe. We love you for it. You're amazing. And of course, last but not least, share this with your fellow Fourth Wing and now Iron Flame friends if you and your friends are just dying to talk about things from this Empyrean series and you cannot wait for our deep dive episodes this is a great thing for us to talk about because this is a lot of iron flame stuff still that we covered in here so share this podcast or this YouTube video with your fellow Empyrean friends we are so excited to start our iron flame deep dive episodes on November 20th or November 19th if you're a dragon writer of our Patreon while Nicole and I are still finalizing the exact chapter sections for our entire iron flame coverage we will absolutely let you know so that you can follow along we can tell you that episode one will be covering chapters one through six can we tell them the archive section too because i'm so excited for it oh all right (laughs) (laughs) lexi is going to be covering the ryerson house and the ins and outs of it and i am so excited so 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 excited yes but friends like lexi said we will be posting our full schedule whenever we do have it but for right now we will see you for chapters one through six on either the 19th if you're a dragon rider or on the 20th and we love you all so much we're so excited bye and now friends please enjoy some bloopers welcome 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 to the fantasy fangirls podcast where two sisters dive deep into beloved lore we're tired. We're starting that again. He. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta drink a water. Hold on. Man, I forgot how <laughs> spitty I get. I don't know what's happening when I do these. Jesus. And were we wasted on a yard? I don't know. Like, <laughs> my good lord. I've done this before. Quote, no doubt he's pifling. Pif- <sighs> Be sure to follow us on TikTok and ants. Ants. <laughs> In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.